0: Welcome to the Pine Pod, where today we'll break it up and chop it down with Sean McManus. Sean also studied at Dartmouth and has been in the Web3 space for a while. This is Jack. I'm joined by Luke, and we're eager to get into it. How's it going today, Sean?
1: It's going very well. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Thanks for joining us today again. You spent a significant amount of time in traditional marketing, including your time at Pinterest, but you spent the last few years in Web3 marketing. Why did you get into blockchain and how did and what led you to make the huge career switch?
1: Yeah. So first of all, yeah, thanks again for having me. It's it's amazing to be here. So glad to be one of your guys' first guests. Um, I love that there are all of these, uh, you know, blockchain clubs sprouting up and that people are getting into it so much earlier. Um, for me, the journey into, into Web3 and starting to learn about it before starting to work full-time um, in the industry was was really about finding uh, better business models for the internet so I spent 15 years working in advertising uh, online advertising specifically and saw um, you know and helped right uh, the the industry to shift um, a lot of dollars from offline and other forms of advertising into digital advertising so much so that by the time we got to 2019 uh, online advertising made up more than fifty percent of all global ad spend and was starting to have some pretty significant externalities negatively right and break some key things in democracies even and and so i really started looking around at different opportunities that i could find to be able to kind of like join an earlier stage industry that was more disruptive with you know interesting people working on interesting ideas a little bit more idealistic so a lot of these kind of like values of the Web3 space, which, which I'm guessing we'll get into, um, as well as this opportunity to find a space that was earlier and really high potential, and honestly, take some bigger risks. I felt like my career had gotten a little bit safe in a lot of ways, and, and I wanted to um, take the next few years to really take some more risks.
2: Definitely. Definitely. Uh, how would you characterize the difference between the two workplaces, between traditional marketing and Web3 marketing?
1: so um between traditional marketing specifically and web3 marketing i would say it's um you know they're like web3 marketing is there's there's not a playbook right where we're kind of like inventing things um as we go along i would say one key theme is that it is much more about community and community orientation so because there's um because there is a little bit of like an allergy to, to data, um, you know, on the user side to essentially tracking and some of those things like that's, what's brought people into the space. Um, then there by necessity, kind of, you have to be a little bit more fuzzy and you are a little bit more fuzzy with not being as metrics based and being more kind of like human and more community based. And so I would say kind of like some of the best aspects of, marketing that works in web 2 um translates over to web 3 it's just that in web 3 we don't have and we can't and we don't want to use all of these kind of like tools like paid ads and things like that that are so prevalent and work so well in the web 2 space there's a lot of other components too i mean just the way that um the way that contributors work so in web in web 2 is much more about um, about full-time contributors and, you know, hiring people whole time, then they just work for that organization. In, the, in DAOs, which are one of the key areas within Web3, there's a much more fluid kind of like contributor base. And so um, your, your community, your, your customers essentially, right? And your contributors can be much more um, uh, intertwined. And you can kind of like turn people from evangelists of your products into contributors at your organization much more easily. Mm -hmm. They could just work on a project and get paid a flat amount to do that. And you're creating systems that facilitate that kind of like permeable um, barrier um, between between those groups that are, you know, in web two is a a massive barrier uh, of this like HR organization in, in DAOs and in Web3, it, it can be very, very malleable.
0: Yes, Sean, you're speaking to the difference between working at a corporation versus a DAO. And I know even within the Web3 space, you worked at Gitcoin. You were head of marketing there for a while, both when it was in the structure of more of a corporation and then later uh, after it had DAOified, when it was a DAO. Uh, what was the difference there within the Web3 space working there as when it was a corporation and then a DAO? And what is it like to, uh, to really work at a DAO?
1: Yeah, so I would say the the main difference is that a DAO has no CEO. There is no there is no like one person that you that all buck like the buck stops with them, right? The point of a DAO is that it's decentralized, that leadership is decentralized, and that um and so you don't have that hierarchy. That is that is both a blessing and a curse, right? Um it's it's a blessing in the sense that there's a major opportunity for any contributor to have a big impact and there's no gatekeepers really right. Um, as nearly as much, right. Um, it's, it's a curse in the sense that like you lose your, you, you lose like this major anchor or this like sense of like, like knowing, okay, here's the strategy. And here is then how that trickles down through the hierarchy into something that an individual contributor can kind of like tackle, right? Because we all enter organizations with a different different level of context, a different level of experiences. Um, without that kind of like hierarchical anchor, a lot of people, especially more junior people, feel lost, right? They feel like I I don't like who's going to tell me what good is, right? Like think of how different that non-hierarchical environment is from like uh the school university setting right where a paper is graded like your professor tells you this is good right there's a rubric uh of like here's how you get an a here's how you get a b this is an a paper this is a b paper that kind of exists in a corporation right in a way because there's still like this chain of command of people who are articulating that in a DAO, it's gone like everyone kind of in a more of a free-for-all way has their own idea of what good is and what not as good is and how do you kind of like how do you put together a cohesive um you know strategy so in marketing right it's all about creating different deliverables and those deliverables are like you know your social media posts or your um you know one cheaters that you're creating and things like that so in a doubt right if you don't have much of a hierarchy, like, how can you make sure that the quality bar maintains at a certain level? What do you do if somebody isn't reaching that quality bar? Like, can you fire them? Um, hmm. Can you tell them that they need to improve, right? There's just like, so many things that we rely on in organizations that are kind of just like still being invented um, in a DAO setting.
0: That that makes a lot of sense. Um, and that that it's still being invented here. Uh, But I'm also curious, I mean, you were working there for a while. You were even head of this side of Gitcoin for a while in the hierarchy that is there. Um, Like, how did you navigate uh, both yourself in in your position, figuring out what that good was and coordinating that with the other parts of Gitcoin very practically within the DAO? Um, And then how how were you able to communicate that or be flexible to others um, quite practically, you know, also working in the marketing area or in the other areas? Um, when people had different visions or didn't see it the same way.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was really hard. Um, I can't say that I, you know, as somebody who worked in a DAO for only about, you know, five months, um, uh, I would say I, I definitely didn't do it for long enough to feel like I was super successful in, um, in in accomplishing you know, all the tasks that I wanted to accomplish. Um, but I would say that the main, uh, so there's, the, yeah, there's, there was a lot of opportunity for, for additional growth. And I'm sure that others who have done it and been through it for more cycles would have more to add there. But I, I would say it's, you know, some of the best kind of things that, that leaders do in non-web three non-DAOs um, are, they, they still work very well. So things like leading by example right? There's even more of an allergy in DAOs to uh, coercion, to basically being like, do this because I say you do this. Though coercion is not really a best practice in any organization, right? It's like a fallback that you use only if you have to, right? In general, it's not a best practice. I would say in DAOs, it's like not even an option, right? And so removing that as a possible tool um and instead right instead basically being like okay these are like i need to lead by example i need to um like have a giving first mindset i need to basically be like okay here's what i'm contributing how i'm enabling not just the people on my team but also the uh the customers and the partners right enabling them not saying use this, uh, you know, brand guidelines, otherwise, like, we'll take it down, or we'll sue you or whatever, right? Instead, being like, no, here is all of the tools that you need to create marketing for to help promote us, right? We'll create you a template, we'll create you a figma. And like, there isn't a recourse of going and being like, if you don't do this, then x, y, and z happens. You just focus on the positive, right? You just focus on the carrot and not the stick.
2: Yeah, it definitely sounds like you had a significant amount of time in the business marketing world. And recently I heard that you also sung for the Airs Acapella group during your time at Dartmouth. And were their business manager. How do you see blockchain developing in the music space?
1: Yeah, so I think the music space is particularly interesting for um, blockchain and web3 because it is um, so under monetized. So that's like the primary thing, is it right? People spend all day, every day listening to music. I know I've had a Spotify Pro account forever, right? For over a decade, and um, it's one of my kind of like favorite um, SaaS tools or whatever you want to call it, right? Subscriptions that that I have that that helps me to like be happy. I do. I use it when I'm working out, I use it when I'm um, doing work, right? Like almost all the time, I'm listening to music. And, but at the same time, and you know, I worked at a radio station in high school, I've always loved music, both as a participant as well as as a consumer of it. Um, but there really aren't great ways to um, to monetize as an artist, your fan base, right? Like the vast majority of artists make very little on their Spotify plays. Um, when, when I was in the airs, one of our primary, you know, revenue models was selling CDs. We sold them for $15 a pop. They cost us maybe $2 or so. Right. So the rest of that, um, was, was pure kind of profit for us. And we used that to be able to, you know, travel around and essentially give away our music to a bunch of other people by doing free performances and things like that um and have a lot of fun in the process and and now that you don't have that right there you that has to be replaced somehow and and so while I would say we're still in the very early days there are some um there are some possibilities of how to increase monetization um for artists one example would be Royal allows you to buy an nft which gives you access to um to the streaming royalties associated with um that song that you've purchased um i'm not sure that that's going to be the thing that works right but i love the experimentation um and and that's one thing that i you know while i don't work in the music aspect of web3 i kind of follow um as a as like an interested observer Um, and, and maybe at some point in the future, I'll have more of an opportunity to to work on that more directly.
0: Sean, I know uh, before your time in business marketing, uh, when you studied at Dartmouth, you studied history. And I'm curious, what skills or what, what in that time at Dartmouth did you learn that you are finding has been very valuable in your time working at Web3? And, and adding on to that, a lot of students are gonna be listening here. How would you recommend, um, what would you recommend to them uh, as they try to optimize their time in college uh, for their web three for their time in web three
1: yeah yeah so i would say like history itself and all of the things i learned about history itself was not particularly useful for my career what was useful is the way that i chose to study history in the first place and And, and, and that was basically by following my curiosity, right? Like I, I, my, my way of choosing my major was essentially like, I, um, I didn't choose it going in. I was like, okay, I'm just going to take whatever class I'm going to go through the, you know, the course book or whatever it's called. And I'm going to choose the classes that I think are interesting. And I'm going to do that for a few terms. I'm literally just going to take anything that I think is interesting. Right. And And, and I ended up then looking back after a period of time being like, okay, well, what have I taken? Um, and why did I take that? And what does that tell me about what I'm interested in more broadly in terms of a major, why that is extremely useful is because, um, you're really not going to ever be world-class at something that you don't like. Right. Like the, the, the main thing that leads to career success is, kind of like building up this like competitive differentiation around what you're uniquely good at, right? This is a giant world that we live in. It's a giant like, you know, economy or, or different sets of mini economies, right? That all add up to this global economy. And, and what you get rewarded for is essentially for um, for for creating like a personal monopoly, for creating like this unique set of experiences that um that are uniquely you and 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 making it so that you're right you're entirely differentiated from someone else right in the same way that you want the opposite of like the commodity of like right you just go oil and you buy oil and oil costs the same everywhere and it's the same right whereas the the opposite of that would be full differentiation of like i only want that one thing therefore i'm willing to pay whatever it costs to get that one thing and so just to bring it back to like this, this like studying of history and this idea of thinking of your career, think of your career as a portfolio of different experiences. And one of the common threads that should bind all of those different experiences is is your interest in that topic. Um, And and so the fact that you've, you know, gone to Dartmouth gives you the kind of like, like leg up, like ability to, to, to to really yeah, follow your passions and make this you know you'll you'll realize looking backwards um eventually like that all of these things that you did um in the first few steps of your career and even before that in school right all these choices that you made um end up amounting to that kind of like differentiated person that is able to create a lot of value and have fun in the process
2: definitely I feel like it's also evident to see you're following your curiosity and your choice to move into the blockchain world, following that interest that you had there and making that leap, and it seems like both with the history major and with that choice you've truly enjoyed it and everything's worked out well. Um, to follow up on the business side of it coming out of school, a lot of Dartmouth students either go to consulting banking another traditional big firm job. How would you recommend that students who want to go into Web3, but who also want to learn and get exposure, spend their first few years out of school?
1: Yeah, so I'm not, you know, moving directly into Web3 from school um, as a traditional career path, I don't think is a good move to make, right? There's not gonna be like um, a ton of demand, especially in a bear market, like we're in right now for um, for undergrad, you know, undergrads that don't have a ton of experience. So the way the the path that you would want to pursue if you wanted to go in this direction would actually be to get involved and start kind of like learning while doing while you're even still in school. So there was somebody that I worked with at um, while I was at Gitcoin who was actually an undergrad. Um, still uh, at NYU, I believe. And she was already contributing to, um, to a DAO called Forefront um, and and essentially like doing content for them and like using these experiences and, and the skills that she had um, to first kind of like volunteer her skills and then eventually was able to get paid for it and then was able to triage that into a more specialized role doing um you know this while while still working um in in her undergrad program and so i would say that kind of like model DAOs are really comfortable with right just like paying people on a project basis and then for those that show a lot of promise like they'll be able to parlay that experience into something else that's still a part-time thing so i would say just literally start to get your hands dirty like in the same way that i was like you know, find your passion or find something that you like uh, from a major perspective, like do that same thing in terms of, of Web3, like go and find DAOs that are working on interesting things, find them on Twitter, and just start getting involved, just literally contributing, um, And and then if you find that that can be a useful or interesting career path for you, then you'll you'll basically already be in it by the time you graduate, right? You But you won't be in it the same way that you would um, through like career services, recruiting, and they'll bring you on full-time. Like it's a more fluid and more risky in some ways, right? From the standpoint of financial stability, risky um, path.
2: Yeah, definitely. This kind of connects back a little bit to a question earlier. But was um, your interest in a DAO, something that led you to Gitcoin? Or is that something that just kind of came along the way?
1: Yeah, yeah, great question. No, it wasn't an interest in DAOs that led me to Gitcoin. It was an interest in, as I was kind of talking about earlier, an interest in finding new business models for the internet and specifically for creators, Uh, to be able to get value from the internet instead of intermediaries like Facebook and Google. I believe that more value should accrue to the actual users of the network. And so Gitcoin was an example of someone that was doing this for developers specifically. They were helping developers make money working for the open internet. Their vision was a world in which the best engineers aren't graduating from you know, their computer science program and joining meta or Google, the best engineers are graduating and they're building um, software and putting it into the public domain. And the problem with that is that like open source software, right? And the problem with that is that there haven't traditionally been great business models for that, right? So instead, those people have maybe become entrepreneurs and raise venture capital money and things like that. But that honestly is not the vision for most engineers they actually don't care as much about like about you know building business models and things like that what they care about is getting usage for their products right and and so they were you know gitcoin was trying to create business models the reason why they ended up wanting to turn their product service organization into a DAO was was driven by the ideology of believing that this way of providing monetization for devs shouldn't be owned by a corporation. It should actually like the monetization mechanism should be owned by the public in the same way that Ethereum is owned by the public or Bitcoin, Bitcoin, sorry. Bitcoin is owned by the public. It's not owned by an individual organization. It's literally a, you know, a a a, a public good, a, a commons-based uh, thing. And so they, you know, figured out a way to turn their product um, into that, into something that was not owned by any particular individual over time. In truth, it's a it's a progress of progressive decentralization. This is not something that can happen overnight, right? If a product is created by an individual um, and a lot of value is first, you know, kind of like accruing to that set of people, then it takes time to actually decentralize it. The the impetus and the way that it was created was through that private method, right? Not through the way that Bitcoin, or sorry, Bitcoin was created, which was literally a white paper, right? And then other people built it. Um, uh, that right. This this was much further along. So because of that, there was a, there was a uh, progressive decentralization um, path that it had to go on.
0: You've spoken of this new business model and your interest in that. Um, in working at Gatecoin, in working at these DAOs and these other areas, um, how have you seen this new business model play out and the evolution of that? Um, and where do you see those practical implications in the day-to-day life when working there?
1: So it's still very, very early days. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, one thing, Um, there, there's like, you could look at it on the bright side or maybe like cup is half full or cup is half empty. Like, up is full is that there are, there are hundreds of people that are working for Gitcoin as a DAO. Like, they literally are getting paid in the native token of this ecosystem, and, um, and the fact that they can do that, right, that they, can, um, that they can support their entire livelihoods, like, on the back of this economy that was created in 2021 is incredible. Right. At the same time, there the the value of the token has decreased more than 80 percent. Um, they had to do, you know, a, a bunch of people had to be let go um, there. The, they aren't able to pay as many people as they were in the bull market to work on it. Therefore, progress might be slower in terms of getting adoption. Right. When you when you launch a token and you and you put it out there and the price is a function of the market forces, right? Then you you are um you you don't have as much control and power over the your ability to predict what your um what your runway will be, right? Like runway in, in startups is how long, how much money you have in the bank, what your burn rate is, and therefore how long you have to come up with something that's financially sustainable, right? There's not really a way to calculate a, a runway in a DAO. If all of your um, assets are in your native currency, then your runway is a function wholly of the price of that asset, right? And so um, you, you you can't essentially calculate how long that is, um, and so that creates that creates challenges in terms of predictability and being able to um, put together a plan that's cohesive, right? So. Those are just a couple examples. At the same time, right, there's a lot of developers that are in the Ethereum space that way more than there ever have been that are supporting themselves working for bounties and working for grants and using these different kind of like business models that are that are being experimented on and in the Web3 space. There's not nearly as many of them as anyone would like uh, in Web3. And there's fewer of them than work for the, in the private sector, for example. But there's way more than there ever have been, right? So I would say the long-term trajectory is is very promising. The short-term trajectory, because we're in a bear market now, like certainly that there there are fewer than there were maybe a year ago, right? Some people have had to go back to that cushy job or whatever you want to call it. Um, but but if you look back even 10 years, right? All you you can see that the line is sloping towards more and more adoption over time.
0: Mm-hmm. You've mentioned following your curiosity, um, and seems like that's served you well. I'm curious, what in Web3, in this bear market right now, what is capturing your creative energy?
1: Yeah, so there the major themes that uh, I'll answer a broader question first, and then maybe we zoom in on that. So the major themes that I care about in general, um, and this has been probably the, the case for my whole career. The first is future of work. The second is like the future of communities. Um, the third is the future of the internet and the fourth is the future of investing. And so what I think is really cool about web three is that we're kind of working on all of this, <laughs> right? So web three is kind of this like cool amalgamation of this set of builders who are kind of like really future focused and care about like how value is created in societies and care about how work gets done. When it when it comes to work, my philosophy is like, I believe that uh, we can all have jobs that don't suck. Like at full stop, like that is the future that I want to live in, is a world in which everyone in the world has jobs that don't suck, right? And the only way to get there is through technology as it always has been, right? Like. The only reason why we don't all work in fields like growing all of our own food and things like that is because technologies like were created that made that something that could be specialized and and mechanized and um that's what right we have more free time today than we ever have been throughout all of history but um but we still want more right we we have this insatiable desire to spend our time on 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 things that we find fun that we find fulfilling um, and so this idea of of work continuing to improve and be something that's better is something that i care a lot about as do a lot of people in web3 um, so yeah i i would say it's that it's that there are so many different experiments and companies and funding and excitement around these long-term trend lines future of work communities internet and investing And they're all happening in Web3.
0: I guess following up on that and related, you followed your curiosity here. Uh, Looking back on Web3, why Web3? It sounds like these are a lot of where your interest areas are. Um, But why do you think it's going to make the world a better place?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I think in this conversation, like we we didn't actually say what Web3 is. Um, so I might go back to that, um, and, and Let's give a definition it. there yeah. and then, and then maybe we can, um, answer that question directly too. So what is web three? So I think uh, the, the definition I like for web three uh, at the moment, um, <laughs> uh, is, is that web three is a decentralized open internet where, um, uh, people have more control over their data. There was an interesting poll that was re- recently put in the field in, in the U S, um, which found that when it was put that way, um, when those were the aspects that were emphasized, decentralized, open, more control over your data, like there was this like interesting cross-section of people that um, were both on the right as well as on the left, um, but were primarily younger, um, skewed younger, and actually skewed more like diverse in terms of like race and ethnic background um, than the average U.S. person um, who were in favor of that statement. So I think there's this general sense in the U.S. that the Internet that we've come to create over the course of time, right, is not working for everyone. Um, and it's primarily working for this small set of of, of people um, who have been able to capture an outsized set of gains in the same way that people might see society that way, similarly, right? That like there's a small set of people that have captured all the gains from capitalism, right? And the internet is now just like so big and so important that it's a microcosm of that. Where I think web three has this amazing potential and what is exciting to me about it is creating a world in which we're all owners, where we all build together, where we play positive sum games, where we share the profits and where we use our money that we have all kind of like um, been able to um, make together through these games that we're playing together, through building together, to regenerate the world, to cause, to like solve some of these problems that have been um, have been kind of like created as as externalities by the by the capitalist system. Um, things like climate change being the biggest one, right? Um, and and i think that yeah i i think that there's a lot of people in web 3 that really care about that um and and that's what excites me about the space and you know it's not that we're now you know today like extremely effective in accomplishing that vision like right it's very very early days but i think there's this appreciation amongst the people who are working in this space that this is a multi-decade journey and that there is no alternative, really, to working on it. Like, you kind of have to work on it. Otherwise, like, there may not be a future. Um, and you you have to create economic systems that work for more people. Otherwise, the economic system that we have is going to collapse. Um, and and so we, you know, I see it as as an imperative, as a, like, you know, like, just don't, don't have your head in the sand, like look around, see the people that are suffering, try to create solutions for them, right? Like be a human and see all humans as other humans. And a lot of other people in the web three space are that way too. Like they, they, they really do care about that. Um, Whereas I think I found that at least in the later stretches of my time in web two, like there, there was more of this like head in the sand kind of mentality.
0: Indeed. Indeed. It's beautiful. Well, thank you, Sean. Thanks for coming on today. Um, that's a wrap for episode one. Um, thank you, all our listeners, all, all the students out there. Uh, we're on the journey together. We'll be back soon.